As they're heading out, just want to say thank you for being here. I, I like the comparison. Are we either an aspiring megachurch with shuttles and all this complex entry system and greeters out in the parking lot? Or are we like trying to reenact the uh, underground church to where you have to work really, really hard to find us? So we'll, we'll let you decide. So, so there you go. But hey, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's always, it's always, you know, last week, uh, last weekend, uh, Nicole and I actually went back. Uh, we were able to catch Ian's homecoming football game, which was really, really special for us. We don't get to see him play very often. And then we met, went back and shared at a, a church in Fairview, Oklahoma. It's actually where I was a youth pastor for seven years. We started our, our ministry life there, our family life there, and have just dear, dear friends. And they are, they are partners with us. They, they love you. They love the greenhouse. They love Northwest Utah County, and they're they're big time partners with what we're doing. And so, it was a fun opportunity to go back and share what God's doing, and and uh, as they continue to partner with us, and and just a really good time there. Uh, it doesn't hurt either that we have a lot of friends there. Uh, actually, one of my one of Nicole's and my some of our best friends from college actually is now the pastor there, and it's just fun. We we stayed at their place, and when you get us together, just shenanigans. Uh, 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 start to start to happen. So fun times there, but, um, thank you for being here. You are not here on accident, uh, especially today, right? You, you work to get here, but, uh, we do have two weeks ago, we had my parents here. You were able to meet my parents. And then this morning we have Nicole's parents. So Jules and Peg wave, there you go. That's Nicole's parents over there. Um, I, I'm starting to feel like like parents are checking up on us you know, at the same time. So just making sure. No, it's awesome. Uh, Jules and Peg are amazing. Jules has been a church planner, a pastor, a seminary dean, a, a college president, and now works with a, a fundraising uh, a ministry and just is very, very... Uh, Active. He's done a lot in his life. They have done a lot in their lives. Um, yes, I'm nervous this morning because he's my hero. And so like, I'm kind of like, it'd just be way easier to have him hop up here and talk and it'd be way better. But you know, there we go. So, um, hey, so this morning, to start off, you all have uh, a piece of blank paper on your chair. Nicole said, what's the blank paper for? And I said, well, you're going to, what's that? Which... Gosh, Lynette, come on. Um, she goes, what's it for? And I said, well, you're, I'm not going to spill the beans. She goes, I'm not going to be in here. And so I had to tell her. But So you have 30 seconds to make whatever you want with that piece of paper. 30 seconds. It might be a little bit longer. Ready, set, go. Start creating. While you're doing that, I'm going to test your mental fortitude here, right? Um, we have... Our, our, uh, our logo here, this is coming from the book, Do You Believe, uh, from, from Paul David Tripp's, uh, his book, fantastic book. And each one of these symbols represents something. And so the, uh, the fifth one there that Drew talked about last week is the four circles. So we talked about how the circle represents God. He is sovereign. He is powerful. He's like the sun at the center of everything. And so the fourth circles represents God's mighty power, his omnipotence, his all powerfulness. And then today we are talking about that little green rainbow looking thing. It's actually not a rainbow. It's actually on the bottom left corner. It's nothing. And then from radi radiating out from that is 
this green arch, right? It's actually what God creates out of nothing. So kind of cool representation. Okay. You guys winding down here? You guys getting close? All right. Someone just needed to get started. Come on. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Everybody show me, show me what you made. Look around. Look at what everybody made. Okay. Everybody drop it. I want to see any paper airplanes in here. Okay. I didn't think about this, but any boats? Almost. Okay, did anybody do the the whole like you know like that? Ah, you did. Engineer, engineer comes with the most complicated thing he could do, and he pulled it off without a glitch. Anything other than than that? We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Uh, uh huh. Yeah. Anything else? Anything? What do you got? <laughs> A snowball. It's a snowball. I get it. I get it. I get it. Anything else? A chessboard. Awesome. A chessboard. Anything else? Brantley. What, what's that? Is it a snowball? It's a flower for your mom. Oh, what a, what a good kid. Anything else? A paper jet. Ooh. Oh, y'all made paper airplanes. She made a jet. Step it up. Come on. No, that's fun, right? Okay, it's fun to create. Okay, so we're just going to go ahead and do this. Some of us already jumped the boat, but we're just going to have some fun on the count of three. Let it loose. Have some fun, right? You couldn't wait. All right, ready? Three, two, one. All right, okay, there we go. <laughs> okay, are we done? We're done. Okay, now you can't throw it anymore. So a little funny side story. When I was a new youth pastor, we played this game where I took literally grocery bags full of clothespins and I threw them out into our youth room. We had about 60 kids in this youth room that was about this size. And the whole game was that I gave them like a couple minutes to get as many clothespins on someone else's clothes without getting clothespins on their own. It's a chaotic, violent game, especially with 60 high school kids. And the whole point was, you know, our words stick, right? And so what do we do? I'm going to hurt you so you don't hurt me. And so everybody's like going around, like swatting, taking it, everything like that. And so when we were done, they were charged up. I mean, they were amped up. And so I said, okay, on the count of three, everybody just go ahead and toss it into this laundry basket. They did not go to the laundry basket. I had 60 kids that threw it at my face. And I was, I was hurt that night, just not physically, but emotionally. I was sort of like, why did everybody throw it at me, right? So, so there you go. We're done. Why do we create? Why do we create things? You ever think about that question? Some of us love to create. Like, if we're not creating something, exercising our creativity, we feel stifled. We feel suffocated. Like, I just got to create, whether it be art or painting or, or, or building or, or woodworking or metalworking or or organizational things, or or decorating our house, or doing our yard or our garden, right? Like we love to create. Some of us that that, that paralyzes us. We don't like to create because it's fearful. We don't want to put ourselves out there, right? But for for people, when we when we create, why do we do that? It's an expression of who we are. We create to express what's inside of us: our thoughts, our desires, our dreams, our character. The created reflects the creator. 
The created reflects the creator. Now, creation is the biblical doctrine um, that is foundational to our faith that we're going to cover today. And the big idea is this, is that God reveals himself through his creation. Right? Mind-blowing. It's so simple, but yet how often do we think about how God created to reveal himself? God's creation is how we know him. It's how we know ourselves. It's how we know each other. And it's how we understand the world. It's appropriate to start talking about creation in Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. Those are some of the most theologically dense and impactful words ever mentioned in the scripture. In the beginning, God created. Everything else that flows through the rest of the pages of scripture come from those five words. In the beginning, God created. These words should take our breath away. These words should cause us to pause, to be overwhelmed with a sense of awe. Yesterday, uh, I'm going to just pick on you guys. Um, um, Rich and Karen uh, went up uh, up into the mountains and they hammocked, right? And it was fun because I I knew they, they did that and it was just, I'm so jealous. They set their hammocks up. You know, you have the autumn colors and the trees and they're right next to this stream and, and they were up there and it's just, it's just overwhelming, right? Like if you, if that doesn't bring peace and rest to your soul, I question your soul, right? Like, like, like it's just God's creation just reveals stuff to us that should take our breath away and fill us with awe and wonder. God's creation recognizes God's place in the center of it all, and it puts us in our place as well. You know, it's funny, this, what was it, a week and a half ago or so, um, we did something amazing as humanity, right? NASA fired a rocket at an asteroid, and we've been studying this for years, right? I mean, we've made movies about this kind of stuff, and, and it was so realistic too, right? But, but finally, we made the unimaginable happen of where it was like, what, 14,000 miles an hour, this rocket coming at this asteroid, and they calculated it, and they're watching this thing in orbit. Actually, it's a, it was a small asteroid going around a bigger asteroid, so even crazier, right? And they wanted to see if they could nudge that little asteroid. And they did it. They hit it. Now, I haven't heard, I was trying to research if it's actually altered the trajectory of that asteroid or not. I don't know. But still, they they hit this asteroid. That's amazing, right? But do you know what asteroids are? If you've ever walked by my, my garage when the garage door is open, it's a mess. It's a mess, right? We're, we're a creative family. We have a lot of projects going in there. And so unfortunately, a lot of times when, the pro- when, when we're done with the project, we just leave instead of cleaning it all up. And so I'm, I'm out there like cleaning it up. And that whenever I clean it, they, they, like Nicole and I are like, oh, wow, you clean. I was like, yeah, you know, all right. And so I clean it all out. But then what's left on the floor, right? Shop dust. And so I sweep that shop dust up and I, I put it into a dustpan and I throw it away. Do you know what asteroids are? shop dust on God's creative floor. And we're like, we moved the shop dust. 
And he's like, oh, how cute you guys are. You guys hit an asteroid. Well, I, I didn't even forget that was even there, right? Like that should put us in perspective is that God's creation puts him in his place and puts us in ours as well. Now, the exact why of God created, we don't really know. I, I think that's just going to stay a mystery is why, why did God create it? As I've heard theories of, well, because he was lonely up in heaven by himself and he wanted to create some people so he wouldn't be lonely anymore. Guys, come on. Like, that's, that's, that's kind of goofy. Like, oh, poor God, you know, we should, you know, then a special us, we're just going to make God's life so much better. Read history, right? We've kind of messed it up for him, right? But we don't always know the exact why, but we do know that God created everything out of nothing. A lot of people can only think of where did this come from? Well, it came from the Big Bang. Where did the Big Bang from come from? Well, these, 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 these minerals, where the minerals come from, these atoms, where the atoms come from? I don't know. And I said, exactly. Show me where it all came from, and that's where God is. I think it takes more faith to believe that this all just happened. I mean, you want to talk like skin, right? Like skin is miraculous. It lets water out, but not in. We can hair grow hair through it. You know, it's it it's it's unreal at what our skin does. How could that just happen on its own? Like I, I, I get that, that things do change over time, but still to say that, that even over billions of years that everything came from just this like that, that takes a lot more faith than to believe that there is some creator outside of all the rules that plays by its own set of rules. That's the God that we worship, right? And so he created everything out of nothing and his creation displays his eternal other than this, his holiness, his glory, his sovereignty, his power. Creation is a gigantic finger that points back to its creator. And so this morning, we're going to look at four uh, things that the doctrine of creation reveals. First of all, it reveals purpose. It reveals purpose. You ever think about how Genesis has two creation accounts? I didn't really think about it. I always kind of, well, this is repetitive, right? But but it's purposeful. Genesis chapter one talks about God creating the cosmos, and then it ends with creating humanity. Chapter two is all about his creation of humanity. He creates man, he creates woman, he creates the garden for them to live in, right? And so you have the cosmos, the, the macro, but then you also have humanity, the micro. God created it from cosmos to individual and it has a purpose. God gives it identity, dignity, meaning, and purpose. Now, what's interesting is that our world is scrambling for things like justice and, and fairness and, and uh, sanctity of, of, of like, like, my life matters. My life matters, right? But yet we, we try to divorce that idea from where it came from. You see, if we're all here by accident and we're all a result of an evolutionary Darwinistic process, I will kill anybody and eat them that will make me stronger. That is Darwinism. That is the, the atheistic moral, morality, right? The idea, because that's what it was in, in this pagan society is, you're in my way, I'll kill you, right? I will consume you to make me stronger, and, and that's, that's what the world 
left without a loving creator and designer would say. But what's interesting is that the world is like, well, but that's not fair. We want justice. We want, we want fairness. We want the I, dignity of life, right? I want to have dignity. Where do you think that principle came from? Before this Judeo-Christian worldview started taking over in the world, it was kill or be killed. And this whole, this whole idea of Jesus and a loving God, a loving creator that says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, here's what's interesting is I've heard before, you know, well, more humans have been killed in the name of, of Christianity and religion than any other. That's a lie. That is an outright lie. We need to fact check that stuff because more have been killed through communism than any other cause. It's, it's unreal. And, and, and communism tries to destroy the idea of, of God. It's just you live and you die and that's it. If you look at the numbers, it is astounding. Yes, Christianity has been misused and abused. And people have been slaughtered in the name of Jesus. And that is not right. It is not good. It's a mistake. We need to repent of that. We need to, move, we need to learn from it. We need to make it right. And we need to move on right? But the idea of sanctity of life, of dignity and identity and purpose and value, that comes from God. That comes from a biblical understanding of creation. God created us from relationship for relationship. You see, God isn't just sitting up there in heaven, kind of like, well, I need somebody to make me less lonely, right? He is the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit. They are three in one, and so they had perfect relationship, and out of that, they, they create humanity for relationship with his self, each other, ourselves, and his creation. Sin breaks that and continues to break that. You see, sin came in and broke that purpose, that relationship, and it confused it. And it turns husband and wife against each other, parent and child, children against child, neighbor against neighbor, neighbor, human ver people versus creation, creation versus people, right? And, and that's what sin did, and it's what it continues to do. If we wonder why the world is such a hurting place, God didn't create it that way. He created it perfectly, and a part of that perfect creation is free will. He didn't create robots, because that's not a loving thing to do. He gave us the ability to choose. And what do we do with that choice? We chose to go our own way, to find our purpose, meaning, value, away from God instead of from him. But then the rest of the story of the Bible is about God redeeming his creation back to himself. It's the creation doctrine helps us to understand where we came from, what happened, what was done about it, and now what can we do about it? That is why the doctrine of creation is so important. It shows us that we have purpose. If God created it, it has purpose. We don't just create things just to throw it away. We create things because it has meaning and value and purpose. The second thing that doctrine of creation reveals, this is going to be a little bit like cringy, ownership. Ownership. If you create something, it belongs to you, right? Paul David Tripp is, is an artist, and he talks about how he loves to create these paintings, right? And, and, and he creates them, and then he gives them to people, but really, it's still his art. 
it's not devoid of his influence and his ownership over it. Yeah, somebody else might have it in their home or something like that. But really, truly, he is the one who created that. It's kind of interesting. Um, years ago, when we moved back to Nebraska and I was going to school and I was working for my brothers on the farm, uh, they had a farm that they had bought that happened to have an old farmhouse on it. And, and it was kind of out of date, but the people who had lived there for years kept, kept it clean and, and nice and everything like that. It just needed to be updated. Well, they rented it to a family that absolutely destroyed it. I mean, we are talking holes in the wall. I mean, just stuff everywhere, ripped up carpet, broken windows, some weird stuff had happened in there. And my brothers were like, hey, you can live in this house, but they didn't realize how bad it had gotten because the renters would like, would like bar them from coming into their own house, right? That's kind of crazy. But finally they were like, yeah, you guys come back. We'll, we'll let, we'll, part of your payment will be a free place to live. It's gonna be awesome. It's kind of older, but it should be okay. They evicted them. We walked through the house and tears flowed. My brothers look at Nicole and I were like, we are so sorry. We didn't know it was this bad. They completely trashed it. And I'm looking at Nicole. We really didn't have a lot of other options at that time in our life. And we're kind of like, it's okay. We don't need windows. <laughs> it's Nebraska. What could go wrong? You know? And, and so we just, we just cried. We just cried because we were broken at what these people had done to something that didn't belong to them. And so it was really cool is this redemptive moment of my brothers were kind of like, Jason, you work construction, right? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, would, would you be willing to, if we paid you to remodel and we paid for all the, all the supplies and your time and everything like that, could you do the painting and the sheetrock and the flooring and, and, and just remodel as much as you can to make it livable? And I was kind of like, if that's what you want, yeah, this is your home. And they were like, if you, I was like, guys, this is your home. I work for you. We're going we're gonna to walk this balance of treating it like it's our own, but then also living out of gratitude. And stewardship, knowing that this isn't my home, this is your home. And it was kind of a fun four years because if anything ever went wrong, it was kind of like, I don't know, you guys want to pay me to fix it, right? <laughs> um, we'll diverge into a little bit of weird apostasy there. But, but no, but that's where we have to recognize is that nothing in our lives has been created by us. It's all been created by God. Drew, I think Drew talked about this last week is, yeah, you created all these amazing paper airplanes and jets um, and boats and flowers and things like that, right? You, cre you made it. You built it. You didn't create the paper. The paper mill didn't even create the paper. It came from the trees who created the trees. Well, as my mom would say, God made it, right? So we have to understand that God has ownership over our lives. We don't. And that's a hard pill to swallow, right? And even though we knew that our time in this home was going to be temporary, we had no aspirations of living there forever. We tried to do the best we could. Landscaping outside, the yard work, the, the upkeep, just everything like that. Like we tried to leave it better than we found it because I love my brothers and I really appreciated the gracefulness of their gift. It's not mine. It's yours. But I'm all in because you entrusted me with it. How we treat things reflect how we feel towards their owner. There's a lot of parables in the Bible that talk about this kind of thing, right? 
of of the 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 people who were entrusted with the land or the or the the talents the money the resources and then the and then the master goes away and and some invest it and make it better and work it and then others are kind of like eh i don't care doesn't matter right the bible always points to the fact that god owns his creation we need to engage god's creation with the same love and justice and compassion and mercy and grace that the creator has for it because he owns it. Every aspect of our lives belongs to our creator, our time, our finances, our sexuality, our relationships, our resources, our homes, our careers. Everything that we have belongs to God. Now, the problem comes when we have ownership issues, where I act as if I own something that I don't actually own. Look in marriage, right? Sometimes people will say, well, you belong to me, instead of saying, no, we are mutually submitting together and we belong to God. Well, what happens when all of a sudden a husband or wife acts as if they own their spouse? Controlling, nagging, domineering, manipulating, Anger, it doesn't work well. Let's just put it that way, right? Children, same way. God has entrusted us with these kids. Yeah, they're our kids, but really they're God's kids. And so I want to do the best that I can to, to raise them in a way that honors God instead of everything is about me. They're my kids and they reflect me and I'm going to control everything that they do and I'm going to end up pushing them away in the end, right? In, in, in sexuality, right? Look at what our world said. It's my body. It's my right. No, it's not your body. It's not your body. It's God's body. And what he says about what you should do with the body that you've been entrusted should win out in the end. And what he says is what is right. And he can say that things are right or wrong because it's his creation, we are so entitled and so enamored with our delusions of self-sufficiency that we hurt each other. We end up hurting ourselves in the process. Racism. Racism is an ownership issue because we don't realize that somebody who might look or act differently than me is God's creation. And how dare me cast judgment or suspicion or anything on someone that God has created? Racism is, is, is failure to, to recognize that God created every single human being in the history of the world. God, forgive us when we forget that. We all belong to you. We're called to be ambassadors of God's, the, God the creator's love and justice, compassion, mercy, and grace. We need to surrender to his rule, his authority because it's his creation. Third, worship. Creation calls us to worship. Realizing that there's a loving, compassionate, holy, glorious, powerful creator should move us to awe and worship. And I'm not talking four or five amazing songs a week, or if you're really holy, listening to Caleb all week long in your car, right? Like, I know that's next level stuff, but, but worship is our life. Music is just one of the tools that God gives us. How are we living our lives as an act of worship that points to and praises our creator, right? Worship is rehearsing, experiencing, celebrating, surrendering, and pointing to the one 
that we worship. It's giving him our attention and our affection. If we have a small God, our worship will be small. If we have a big God, our worship will be big. That's been a really eye-opening thing for me over the years because, because I know I'm, I'm kind of one of these type of guys, right? If, if something good happens at a, at, a, at a game, I'm kind of like, yes, right there, right? And so you look at me, I'm kind of like an in-here type guy, you know? I love people that are like, like, oh, I love that. That's not how God wired me, but I'm trying, right? Like, I want to learn. I'm, but it's sort of like, are we engaged with worshiping God through our lives? Or do we go back to, well, it's mine, it's I own it, right? We need to worship our creator. And last fourth is that creation reveals freedom. Creation reveals freedom. You're like, wait a minute, querying. you just said that God owns us. We're not free. Guess what? If we are owned by God, that means we're free. We're free from ourselves. We're free from each other. We're free from any created thing because only God owns us. No situation, no possession, no desire, no trial, no struggle, nothing owns us. That means we're free. We only belong to God. And so we can walk in the freedom. I love Galatians chapter five, verse one says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. That is a powerful verse. What kind of things do we allow to enslave us, to put us in prison, to keep us in bondage? Remember that these things are created as well, and only God can give us the freedom that he desires for us. His grace sets us free. So a couple more things yet. Um, independence is not our goal. Independence is not our goal. God wants us to be fully dependent on him, our creator. That's when things fall back into line. When we become dependent on him and him alone, things start to make more sense. And he calls us to be interdependent with each other, not dependent on each other. I, I love Nicole and she has made my life astronomically better and, and, and all that. But you know what? She, how do I say this? She doesn't complete me. God completes me. And out of my completeness, out of her completeness, now we can have a healthy relationship. But problems come when I need to control her or she needs to control me um, because we're fully dependent on each other, right? There's times where I find myself like she'll leave out of town and for the first like two or three days, I'm like, oh, what do I do? Who am I, right? Like, like and I just, I just realized I'm still just a little boy, right? And my wife is gone and like, oh, there is no point, you know. But yet it reminds me of how I need to turn to God. And when I am healthy, when grace is at the center of my life, when God's presence is at the center of my life, I have so much more to give her and, and, and vice versa, right? God calls us to be dependent on him and inter, interdependent with each other. Sin destroys that. Sin destroys that. Jesus's greatest two commandments are this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength, right? We need to be completely dependent on God. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Interdependence. 
live out of that fullness to each other, know our creator, and then live out that dynamic. This is called shalom peace. Shalom, which is a word for peace, doesn't just mean absence of conflict. Shalom peace means that all the pieces are working in unison. It's a symphony that is tuned and in harmony together. That is shalom peace. When all of creation submits and surrenders to its creator, that's when we find shalom peace. We love each other. We forgive each other. We enact grace to each other. We encourage, we support each other. Sin breaks that, right? Sin is attacks shalom peace. In Romans 8, we see that, that creation, all of creation groans under the weight of its brokenness and it cries out for its redemption. Such a powerful verse because whether it be us that are crying out or, 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 or creation that's kind of like, well, stop like killing me, right? Like not to get like too environmental or anything like that. I don't want to, you know, raise too many feathers, but, but it's, it's not too hard to see how, how just creation groans under the weight of sin. And we're crying out for redemption. The good news is this, is that the creator is working to redeem his creation. Redemption, reconciliation, restoration. And that's what he's called us to be a part of. So we talked about how in this series, we don't just want to throw out doctrinal theological ideas, right? Because knowing without doing is worthless. Belief without action is worthless. So how do we bridge that gap? Two simple things today. One, <laughs> live like you own nothing. Live like you own nothing. When I, when I saw that, I had to stop. Do I really preach this? Do I teach this? Do I throw this out there? Because that's kind of a charged statement. Living like we don't own anything, but I work hard for this. I've busted my butt for this. Nobody else got this for me, but me. Ownership. We're battling with ownership. We're battling with the creator for ownership of what he's given us. Think about what conflicts we are in the middle of right now that come down to an ownership issue. Am I trying to assert control and authority and sovereignty and dominion over something that isn't mine? Over someone who isn't mine to control? How would asking ourselves first thing every day, and the last thing every day, have I lived like, I've owned, like I own nothing today? How would that change some dynamics? And I'm not saying like, hey, whatever, I don't, I'm, just a, I'm just a gypsy floating through life, right? Like, whatever, I'll pitch my tent here and I'll go there. And, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about that. Because God calls us to be stewardship. And that leads us to the second thing. Live like everything belongs to someone else. Live like everything belongs to someone else. Like I said earlier, how we treat people, places, things will reveal what we really think about the creator. If I'm rude to you, if I'm assuming the worst about you, if I attack you, if I trash you, I don't believe that God created you. 
I'm defying your creator. That hurts because I do that. I, I, like to, I like to rehearse narratives in my head. I was just talking with someone recently and they said, we all love to have a villain because villains make us feel justified. When I heard that, I was like, not me, you jerk. You're, you're just, you're just, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. But isn't that right? A lot of times we create villains, we create narratives, we create situations and scenarios in our head that are very one-sided and they defy the creator and put us in that spot. That's dangerous. It's not hard to see why things go sideways with that kind of a mindset. So let's try it. Let's try it. This week, if you come to uh, one of the connect groups, let's discuss that in our groups, right? Like, hey, what do you think about this whole idea of live like we own nothing and live like everything belongs to God and not us? Let's just try it. I might be way off base. And next week, you're, no one's going to come up because queering's a heretic, right? But, but let's at least try it. How does that call us to live in respect and gratitude and love? And it asks us to join in with what God's doing. It's impossible to honor the creator, of, uh, the creator and hold a passive or apathetic attitude towards his creation. Let me say that again. It's impossible to honor the creator and hold a passive or apathetic attitude towards his creation. One last thing. This morning, you put your heart, your soul, your expressiveness, your creativity, your character into that creation. And some of you, as soon as you let it go, you're kind of like, I wonder where my airplane's at. I wonder that. And, and after church, you're going you're gonna to come and you're going to find it. You're going to take it home. You're going to display it on your mantle, right? Because what you create, you want to redeem you want it back. Guys, God wants to redeem his creation. He will not stop looking for us until he finds us. Sometimes he will come at us in a soft whisper. Other times it'll be through some of the most heartbreaking, gut-wrenching experiences we will ever have. But God wants you to come back to him. Whether you've walked with him for years or you've not yet said, Jesus, I believe in you. God loves you. He cares about you. He created you on purpose, with a purpose. He doesn't waste things. He's too good for that. If you have breath in your lungs, God wants you out of his love for you. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the fact that you give us creation to reveal your character. And yeah, we can point to all the things that are wrong, that are broken, that don't work right. But God, help us to dig deeper and to not assign the blame to you, but to accept the responsibility, God, that sin has broken that. That, that sometimes we're responsible. And then other times we're not, but, but humanity is God. And I know that it breaks your heart. We read in the Bible to where you, you grieve. And it's weird to think that a sovereign, all powerful God grieving, but yet God, you do. And so God help us to not fight you, to resist you, throw blame at you, 
but to instead, God, to hear your heart for us, to see how you're pursuing us, how you're loving us, how you want to redeem, reconcile, and restore us to you, to each other, even within ourselves, God. And I pray that that this week, as we kind of process those things of, of worshiping you and of, of, of experiencing your freedom and seeing the purpose that you have, because God, you're the creator, you're the owner. God, I pray that as we process those things, we can see you more clearly. God, I thank you for each one that's here, those that are listening online right now, or those that listen later. God, the spirit, just speak into our hearts. Give us freedom where we need it. Help us to be voices of you, of your love, of your grace. Help us to see the needs and the opportunities around us and to be voices of peace, of grace, of hope, of love in a world that desperately needs it. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your love for us. We pray this in your name. Amen.